First, let me apologize to anybody wearing one of the hearing aids. I forgot to turn off my speaker while we were singing. So, sorry, Sedona. No, yeah. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. <laughs> 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 and, yeah, okay. Anyway. Um, Healing. I want to talk about healing. Healing is at the center of Jesus' earthly ministry. To the people who lived in that time, it is healing that they most associated with Jesus. People come from all over, the Bible tells us again and again and again, to come to Jesus for healing. When they hear he's in a village, they crowd around where he's staying. If he goes out into the wilderness, they follow him in their thousands, hoping for his touch to be healed. And I think, you know, when we, we think about Jesus, I think we tend to forget that he's not the only healing game in town in his own day, right? It's not like they had no healers except Jesus. They had, they had doctors like St. Luke, the physician. Now, none of us would probably want to go to one of those doctors, to be honest with you, uh, considering what we know today, but they had doctors and they had other people who also sort of wandered around like Jesus promising to heal you through magic or through uh, appealing to some god or another. And people went to them because just like us today, people had problems. They had physical ailments. They had sicknesses. They had, the, had things that affected how they, they think and move in the world. And they wanted healing. But clearly there is something different about Jesus's healing than all of those other sort of magicians and faith healers and, and first century physicians were doing. Because there's, there's something about Jesus's healing that, that holds in a way that the healing that other humans can do just, just doesn't. And so people responded to Jesus' healing in, 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 in ways that I think is probably even hard for us to understand. If people, if we were to go back in time and to just walk around Judea and we ask people, have you heard of Jesus of Nazareth? They'd go, oh yes, Jesus, the great healer. Because they don't know yet who he is. They don't know what's to come. They don't know anything about the entry into Jerusalem. They don't know anything about the passion. They certainly don't know anything about Good Friday or Easter, but they know that there is someone who among them who is holy, who makes them well and whole in a way that they had never ever experienced before. But we, we know these things. We know about Jesus. We know who he is. We know his story. We know what's happening. We know what's going to happen. And so when we look at these stories of healing, it's one thing to go, yeah, those are really great stories of healing. But it's important for us to see those signs of healing as, as a sort of a precursor to Jesus' greater mission. Right? That we understand that the healing of, of human sickness and brokenness one person at a time is a, is a precursor for Jesus' ultimate mission of bringing healing to the whole world to heal the rupture of evil and to make us whole. We call that salvation. That's what Christian salvation is ultimately about. It's about healing the brokenness in our lives, in our communities, and in our world. That healing remains at the center of Jesus' ministry. 
and, and the salvation that we are offered, this is what we are saved from, is the brokenness of evil. That before Jesus, humanity was under the dominion of evil. They had no choice. I, I, it's probably hard for us to kind of think about, but, but before Jesus, the power of evil held sway over all humanity. But after Jesus, that is changed. And now we are offered a choice. We can choose the path of Jesus, the path of, of life and light, of healing. Or we can turn away and walk a different path, the path that leads to death. Those are the choices we have now because of Jesus. And so instead of have evil having sway over us, evil now, as I've said before, only has the power that we are willing to give it. We are freed. That's what salvation ultimately means, that we are saved, we are freed. Once upon a time, we were slaves to evil. But now we are free people. Free to choose. Free to walk the path of Christ. But as we know, freedom comes with some responsibilities. It's like when you were a little kid, or if you know any kids now, and they, they imagine growing up, and they're like, oh, they can't wait to grow up and be free, free from all those rules that you have at home. Because when they're grown up, it's going to be completely different. I remember talking to a young man. He was probably about 13 or so. And he was talking about he couldn't wait to get out from under his parents. And he was going to go live in like a penthouse in New York City and drive a big fancy car. And he was going to have the greatest life ever. Well, probably not. But So I said, you know, those, those things are kind of um, expensive. I said, you know, it's not just, you know, you got to pay for rent. You know, you got to pay your electricity and you got to pay your you know, your, your water bill and you got to pay your, you know, your taxes or whatever. He's like, what do you mean water bill? <laughs> like, you know, you turn on the faucet, the water comes out, you know, you got to pay for that. You have to pay for water? <laughs> yes, yes you do. And food. And so, so we know that if we are to live a grown-up life, we have to take on grown-up responsibilities. We have to work. We have to take care of the people we're in relationships with. We have to be responsible, which is kind of a drag, but it is what it is. <laughs> but Christian freedom works the same way, that just like our civic freedom, the freedom of a Christian also has responsibilities that go along with it. That, that we aren't just free to wander around and do whatever we want. I think lots of people, when they think about, you know, when Paul talks about salvation in the Bible, you know, we're freed from the law. We can do anything we want. And I know, and I bet you have met Christians who feel that since they're on Jesus' side, surely Jesus must be on their side as well. And no matter what they do, if they think that they can, they can say that Jesus is behind them, they can do all sorts of wicked and evil things. The, the Inquisition is a great example. But we see people even today who do terrible, horrible things, and yet they feel they're doing it in God's name 
because, because they claim Jesus as theirs, they just sort of assume Jesus is going to back anything they do. That's not what this freedom means. It's not freedom to do whatever you want. That's not Christian freedom. And there are other people who are only worried about what happens when they die. And so salvation for them is merely about, I've claimed Jesus, therefore I've got my ticket into the paradise that awaits. That's not salvation either. Not completely anyway. That the salvation, the healing that Jesus offers us is an opportunity to take on the responsibilities of freedom. Because lots of us want to give away our freedom in order that we can feel safe. And that's how evil gets back into our lives. Is that when we're willing to trade our freedom for a false sense of security, we have turned away from Jesus. Because as much as Jesus has defeated the power of evil over us in his passion, in his death and resurrection, evil has not disappeared. All of us know this. And I think the best analogy is that the cross is kind of like D-Day. Once D-Day is accomplished successfully, the end is pretty much inevitable. We know once we've got that toehold on the continent, that the powers of, of the Nazis are ending. We know that now. But you know what? It's a long way from the beaches to Berlin. And that the greatest sacrifice to be made is going to be made in this in-between time between Christ's inevitable act of victory and the actual completion of that victory in the future in his return. And so as Christians, we are called into this time of great responsibility. And this freedom that we've been offered is a freedom to be Christ in the world. That's what James is talking about in this letter. Because when James says, you know, there are lots of people who they want to claim Jesus as their own and they're all with him and they love Jesus, but they don't do anything about it. And that if your faith doesn't cause you to walk differently, if it doesn't cause you to make different choices, if it doesn't bring you to see the world in a different way, then that faith is empty. Be doers of the word, James says, not merely hearers of the word. That the life of Christian faith is not, has no room for passivity. That you can't just sort of sit quietly in your adoration of Jesus and think that that's enough. That the life of following Jesus means following, which is movement, which is getting up and doing. That the life we are called to, this grave responsibility that we've been given along with our freedom from evil, is the invitation to stand against evil and do what is right in the world. To be people like Jesus, who continue that work of healing. And I don't mean, you know, like necessarily just healing sicknesses, although we, we pray for those who are sick and we know that, that, that prayer can be effective. But we are called to heal all of the brokenness of the world. We are called to bring peace, to bring reconciliation, to work for the, the nurturing of relationships and to see every person as containing dignity, recognizing in them that they also 
are children of God, beloved of the Creator, made for a purpose and for meaning. And so this freedom that we've been offered, like all freedoms, is dependent upon our willingness to take up the responsibilities of that freedom and to share it with others so that the whole world might be free. It is our great and solemn responsibility as followers of Christ to grab hold of that freedom through our faith and to walk as Jesus did and in the example of his life to live our own lives, to make a difference, to bring peace, to bring reconciliation, to bring healing, wholeness, and integrity to the world. Amen.